Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. He's got the NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the PIN 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. And welcome into Sports Lounge Live. It is Tuesday, May the 2nd, and uh, this is show number what, Chris? 244. 244. So that is uh, May 2nd. We do need to make an announcement right off the top, and then we'll get right to the sports. Rick Swan, our normal, well, I I don't know if anybody on this panel would be considered normal, but nevertheless, (laughs) one of our analysts uh, is taking some time off. He There are some uh, personal things going on, and we send our best to uh, Rick and, and Rick's family, and hopefully Rick will be back with us by the time the NFL started. I know he'd had fun today because we're going to talk, probably start off talking quite a bit about the NFL draft, and then we have a lot of baseball to get to, so let's uh, get rolling. Okay. Yeah, and Rick will still be a resource for us. Uh, I'm a good friend with him. I talk to him all the time. And so if we have any NFL questions coming up or something I didn't understand or some any moves, I will check with him and we'll find out about (laughs) it. Maybe we could have him one of these days when he comes back. He can explain to me salary cap because, and I'll tell you why that is real quick. The, The Packers traded Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, but yet it counts as $40 million to their cap. I would think, and I, and I suppose it's possible that maybe they did that because, you know, they wanted to get more in return that I can believe that. But, um, I would think if you trade him, the Jets would pick up most of that. But we'll get into that. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> it sure is. And yeah. It won't be something we know anything about. Yeah. And I right. think Rick would probably tell you he doesn't either. But anyway, so the agenda today is, uh, we're going to, we do have the NASCAR winner. We'll talk about that for a minute. Then we, we will go on to the NFL. What we're going to do is run down the top 10 NFL picks for the first round, then the offensive players in the first round. And then we'll, we'll go through and give our opinions of uh, what we think our, how our teams did, especially uh, we're interested in, in what Bill and Sean have to say because yes. they were, they were very skeptical about uh, what their teams were going to do. And we'll see if they, they're happy, they're not or whatever. So we'll talk to them. Well, if you listen base- back, we know that Bill got the quarterback that he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then for baseball, we're going to start with the uh, death of uh, Mike Shannon, a longtime Cardinal voice. And we will uh, talk about that. And then a couple of Perry's going to talk about the, the new triple uh, A strike zone uh, and, and in minor league uh, strike zone uh, implementation. And with the, uh, the uh, automatic strike zone thing and the challenges and all that, tell us how that's going. And then we'll go to the NBA, of course, the fir- first round is finished, the NBA, the NHL as well. And then if we have time, we'll get a, uh, a human interest story about the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, we'll be talking about that next week because that's going to come up. And I think Jerry uh, said we'll have the story, and then he'll, he might come in and give us his thoughts because he's our horse racing guy. 
but anyway, for NASCAR, Martin Truex won the Dover uh, race in Dover, Delaware. And it was uh, the fourth time he went. This would be good information from Pierre. Fourth time that he won it. And three of the times that he's won Dover have been on Mondays because they've had rainouts. And then he wins. And uh, it's kind of funny. So that's what's going on with NASCAR. For the NFL, the first thing before we get to the draft, of course, was the big thing uh, was Lamar Jackson re-signed by Baltimore. You know, people were thinking it was coming, but we weren't sure. Five years for $260 million, $185 million guaranteed. So the deal is he's basically, he beats Jalen Hurts uh, by, I think, a million a year just to get him that mm-hmm. highest uh, rate. So um, that, that's kind of what they did. So it is everybody is getting Deshaun Watson money, whether people liked it or not. Well, that's right. So. Guarantee, guarantee not quite as much because, remember, Deshaun Watson got like two, over 200 of his 232 guaranteed. So. Right. And uh, that has family – I don't know how that works, but that has salary cap implications. Yes, that it spreads does. spreads out your, your money in different ways. You know, I think the five years, that means I think the 185, the 37, whatever it would be, would be on each year. So it's less yeah. on the cap. And then your other, you're still paying them the other part of it, as I understand it. But and one other point here before we get into the draft, that that's a negotiating stance, starting point for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert because they're the next two to get contract extension. That's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So number one uh, for the draft, and I was divided. I had the Celtics game and other things going, so I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. But number one pick was uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, for Cal- uh, going to Carolina. And amazingly enough, he's the first Alabama player taken at, at number one NFL draft. Uh, out of all yeah. the people they have taken, they never had the number one pick with you know Kenny Stabler or Joe Namath or anybody. They, they never did. So that's kind of something. Uh, and interestingly number- enough, Chris, before the draft started, pretty much everybody knew, you know, you heard some guessing. But according to Pat Kerwin and, and, and those guys, everybody pretty much knew for a month or two it was going to be him. Mm-hmm. Number two, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. That everybody didn't Houston. know. No, they didn't. Nope. Houston tried to keep that a secret or do what, what they could with it. And so he's going uh, to Ohio State, I mean, to, to Houston from Ohio State. Then they uh, made a trade with Arizona and got the third pick Houston did, and they took uh, Will Anderson, Jr., a linebacker from Alabama. So they got somebody on the defensive side. They got somebody on the offensive side. Number four, the Colts, Bill's Colts, took Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. So those were your three of the top four were uh, quarterbacks. Uh, Number five, Seattle took uh, Devon uh, Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. Devon. Oh, Devin. Okay. Yeah. Number six, we have Arizona from Detroit. Uh, they, that's where they got, and they took Paris Johnson, uh, Jr., an offensive tackle from Ohio State. Number seven, we had Las Vegas taking Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, a defensive end. Number eight, Atlanta took, and I, I erroneously in a private message, these guys thought that there were no running backs taken, but there sure were, uh, because Atlanta took Bijan Robinson. <clears throat> and Sean, and Sean should have known that. Yeah. Yes, yes Bijan. Well, I missed it. Yeah. I missed his. I missed. Yeah, Bijan Robinson, and he was the first running back taken in the top twenty-four since twenty eighteen. Like I said, he was he was the Dope Walker Award winner for last year for Texas and okay. Hill. Yeah. So yeah. number nine, the Eagles 
uh, from the Bears. They got this pick, and they took uh, Jalen Carter, a defensive tackle from Georgia. They loaded up on their Georgia folks. They and do. that's one thing Rick was, if Rick were here today, he would be saying that that's the one thing he said, that, and I'll get his take right now because it's relevant. He said the Giants did about what they were expected. He was pretty happy. There was a third-round Tennessee receiver that they took that he thought that maybe had some potential because he'd had some long touchdowns and uh, and a speed burner. But he said what bothered him was the Eagles. He thought the Eagles really loaded up and had an excellent draft. Well, they so, wanted Bijan Robinson, but Jalen Carter, remember, he's the one with the racing incident also. That had something to do with why they picked him, because they have some other former Georgia players, and they, the, the, Pat and, and uh, Jim Miller were saying that the, the Eagles feel that with these other Georgia guys, that they'll be able, should there be any issues with him, they'll be able to keep him on the right track. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then number 10 from uh, Chicago, Philadelphia. So they just flip-flopped the picks. And number 10 was uh, Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee. Then uh, for uh, some of these uh, offensive players, Detroit took Jameer Gibbs, a running back from Alabama. Seattle took uh, Jackson. uh, Njigba. Jackson Jackson Smith Njigba. In Jingbo, yes, we yes. will get used to this. You know, <laughs> we all have to learn how to say these names. How are we doing with Tua? You know what I'm saying? We yeah. we get through these things. We all just say Tua, Ohio State, and he's a wide receiver. The Chargers took uh, Quinton Johnson, a wide receiver from TCU, and the Colts took our, our BC uh, Zay Flowers, and uh, wide receiver. That's the first time a, a BC wide receiver has been taken in the first round, and that's a good. Uh, uh, they got another wide receiver somewhere along there, so they've given uh, Jackson some weapons uh, that he yep. didn't have before. Minnesota, Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. Buffalo, and this was a good uh, pick for them, I think. Uh, they do have a good tight end, but they now took Dalton Kincaid, a tight end from Utah. And people they, people they thought that was a pretty good pick. They jumped ahead of Dallas to get him because they knew Dallas wanted him, Chris. Right. Yes. So, so my impression. I, I guess. I guess before we do that, Chris, let yeah. everybody. You said earlier, everybody wanted to know uh, Bill and Sean. Let's start there. Okay, Bill, we'll start with them. Bill, well, how about the Colts? <laughs> Well, fortunately, it wasn't the guy, Will Levitz, from the University of Kentucky. Right, we'll get to him in a minute. I think Watson, (laughs) I'm not Watson, I'm getting like Chris here. I think Anthony Richardson, (laughs) I think he's... His potentially his upside is great. I think he has a lot of experience. No... But he's a gamer, so I think he'll be okay. I think it might take a year or two. But then again, he might just jump right in and go. I mean, you you don't know. But if I'd been the Colts, that would have still been my my choice for, you know, what, what they could get. And I, I think he's, you know, he's he's got one part of his game down, the running game, and, you know, he's athletic enough, and he's speedy, and he's got all this going for himself. So I think he'll come along. I I feel a little bit better about the pick, and we'll, we'll see. What, I mean, they're only as good a lot of times as what they've got around them. So and that's, that's one thing Bill, that too. Pat Kerwin point. That's one thing that Pat Kerwin pointed out too. Going down the draft, the Colts did put some 
um, talent, especially they got him some offensive line protection, and I think they yeah. might have taken a receiver somewhere down the line too. But Pat said that that was part of it with Richardson is they had to get him some protection, and, and he felt that they did. So, yeah. you know, we we shall see. Um, is he as polished as what uh, Sean got at Houston? No. Uh, the, the answer is no. But I'm thinking, and I don't know, but it looks like Houston might have sold its soul on <laughs> uh, getting that third pick. And by the way, one thing. Speaking of of Houston, that we'll, we'll and then we'll get Sean's thoughts on Houston. Um, they interviewed C.J. Stroud on Sirius XM, and uh, Pat Kerwin asked him directly about the S two or the Wonderlick, whatever you want to call it. And C.J. Stroud said, "Hey, you know," he said, "I'm just not a great test taker." He said, mm-hmm. "I know football, but he said I am not a great test taker." He said. You listen to my coaches and whatever, and they don't say anything like that. Now, you know, personally, I don't think he has any big problems, but they were worried about that. But, you know, when when he was asked about it, he came right out and said, hey, I'm just not a great test taker. You know, personally, I wasn't a great test taker either. So yeah. I totally no, understand exactly. that. So, Sean, <laughs> what about the Texans? One- well, and first of all, I'll say they changed up the Wonderlick test. Also, they, they put did. some other oh, yeah. things on. It wasn't just what, the, what he said. It wasn't they just, did what he said. They did yeah. is they put some things on there, like they they had you kind of playing, you know, like a video game. And he said yeah. a video game is totally different than what you're seeing down the field in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my thoughts on it. Okay. Some people are saying, why are they doing this to get Stroud? When the Anderson's the guy they wanted all along, and they really wanted Will Anderson, Dem- you know, D'Amico Ryan's big defensive guy. That's the guy he really wanted. Why are they doing this? Why not try to tank and get Caleb Williams next year? Well, who knows if you're going to be bad enough to get Caleb That's Williams right. next year? Yeah, you know, who knows if you're going to be? And they they gave up some, but what they gave, you know, they gave up their, you know, that twelve, the number twelve pick and the number thirty three pick next year, and a couple others, but and they gave up their first round pick next year. But they still have Cleveland's first-round draft pick next year, and who knows? Who knows how Cleveland is going to be with Deshaun Watson next year? It could be end up being a better pick than their picks. So, I mean, they got the guy they wanted, and Will Anderson. There was a concern that they were thinking, "Oh, he has the same uh, agent as Deshaun Watson." But some of the people that dealt with Deshaun Watson are not there. Nick Casario still is. Uh, you know, the preacher, Easterby, and all them are out of there. You know, they're, they're gone. Uh, Kurt Pat you know, Kerwin that, did not think Sean that. He, they had talked about that, and he said to him, of course, being a former uh, front office person, he said, that that's not an issue. No, that was I don't think that was real that big of an issue, uh, but it was brought up by some Houston media. Yeah. What, Pat said think, is you, what Pat said is you have to... If you have a problem with an agent representing a particular player, when it comes to another player, you have to put that behind you really quick because you might turn down a good pick or a good player yep. just because you didn't like that agent. And Pat said, I know that from experience. Yep. And he, nice. and they, 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. Bill. Go ahead. I just still said, be careful of Houston. Their recent history and their history is not well, good. I don't. Well, I'm skeptical. I yeah. don't trust skeptical. what they do so much. I know that I'm not have no reason to talk because the Colts are right <laughs> up there with them. So I'm just, but I'm just saying, yeah. be careful of Houston. There's That's a reason. Right. I think that most people would consider the owner of Houston yeah. down near the bottom yeah. part of the, yeah. the mm-hmm. continuum of owners. You know? And remember. Yeah, he, and remember what our, our friend John used to say about these picks and prospects and all. Remember what he always said? Prospects are suspects until they pan yep. out. Correct. And, you know, and he, uh, you know, like I said, the, the owner, yeah, it's the son of the original owner, Cal McNair. He didn't have a lot. But, and I'm, yeah, I'm skeptical, but I feel not, I, I'm not as skeptical as I was when we were still doing all things radio. Not as skeptical. I mean, I'm a, it's, there's a little more hope, but yeah. it's the Houston Texans. There's always going to be skepticism. And the fact Ohio State quarterbacks don't have a great track record. You know, that's, in the NFL. that should I mean, Joe, scare you right there. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Burrow went to LSU to, and got better. You know, that's the, that's the part that you got to worry about, the Ohio I, I State think track record. I think that's true to a point, but, I mean, Fields with the Bears, he hasn't been horrific by no, any means. No, 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 he's about the, he's one that you can think of, yeah, he's, of, he's of one of the rare quarterback, ones. He's probably the number two, you know, of that group, that was five. Yeah. He's actually, you yeah. rank him number two right now. So. Yeah. But I wouldn't go to the bank with him either. Not yet, not yet, yeah. no. 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 Not yet, not yet. So, so as far as my thoughts, just quickly, and then we can uh, hear from uh, uh, you, Perry, and, and uh, Robert, but my thoughts, the Patriots, uh, what people were concerned about is that they still need offense, and they had picked up a little bit there on free agency market, and they brought, they're bringing in Bill O'Brien. But they went through and they said that actually the Patriots drafted, when you compared uh, the, the picks they made, the, the six, their defense was number, uh, the draft was number six in defense and number 21 in offense of the team's drafting, which is about the reverse of their rank in the league. They were six playing defense and 21 in the offense. So what they're saying is that basically the Patriots strengthened the side of the ball that didn't need as much strengthening. Uh, Scott Zolak, though, is pretty happy with these guys. He thinks that they're a good class. He th- he's given it a B. He said, of course, as we all do, give, ask me in three years, then I'll really know what's right. going on. Yeah. But, but one you know, thing that, he, um, he's pretty Rick optimistic New- about it. One thing that Rick Neuheisel and Jim Miller, Chris, said on Saturday, they were the two that stayed clear till the end of the draft. And yep. uh, the Patriots drafted a kicker. And Pat yep. Kerwin said, and uh, Jim Miller was saying, you very rarely see teams draft a kicker because you really don't usually have to. So Miller said, they must love this kicker. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, Who was the last kicker drafted? I'm trying to well, think. Well, the 49ers drafted one this year, too, guys. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the third okay. round. Oh, so they, must lo- they must love that guy, too. <laughs> yeah. So, Perry, what's your, what's your thoughts about the draft? I, th- I think in a lot of ways the Rams had a lot of picks, and they picked up players. The Rams are still, this year is still going to be pretty tough with, with the salary cap. I mean, they're going to still have many, many issues. I mean, it was, I'm glad we won the Super Bowl, two, you know, a couple of years ago, but that, that, to do that, they really mortgaged a lot of the future, and they really, you know, as far as cap room, they don't have hardly any. So, you know, they got some guys that'll be helpful, but I, I worry, you know, with the salary cap thing eventually. I mean, it'll work itself out eventually, but 
Um, for now, they're going to have a lot of cap issues. And Robert, the, the Raiders uh, did pretty well, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, we had 12 picks going into the draft. We ended up using nine of them, um, six on defense, three on offense, uh, and defense is where we needed to go, and we'll see how they turn out. Uh, you know, they were interested in Jalen Carter, but because of the Henry Rudd situation, they didn't want to repeat of that situation, so they passed on him and took Tyree Wilson instead. So uh, we'll see who's right, whether the Raiders were right or whether the Eagles turn out to be right in that case. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, Jason Horowitz was, was the anchor yeah. of the XM coverage. And um, yeah. he I think he tried very hard not to be Jason Horowitz, the Raiders announcer, but Jason Horowitz, the, the you know, the unbiased anchor. Reporter. So he really yeah. didn't say mm-hmm. he really didn't say much. Now, of course, Miller and Kerwin, when they had uh, Tyree Wilson come and talk to him, they made sure, of course, that he knew that Jason Horowitz was the voice of the Raiders. Yeah. But other than that, I thought, I thought Jason did a, a good job yeah. uh, with the yeah. draft. I, uh, that is, if, if you don't have Sirius XM, um, that is, and, and you can do, even if you don't pay for it, if you just do a trial, that's the time mm-hmm. of the year to do your trial because those guys know their draft mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you, you, that, that, that I think is probably the best draft coverage out there. Uh, they do. I'll tell you another yeah, another one that does a good job, the ticket in Dallas. Norm Hiskus and that crew, they were there all three days in Kansas City, and they didn't just talk about Dallas's draft picks. They went through, I mean, how many local radio stations were broadcasting on day three live from Kansas City? Not, not <laughs> many. And they're not the flagship of the Cowboys. They're not the flagship. <laughs> okay. So, um, so we'll, of course, you know, again, ask us in three years, and we'll tell you how it all came out, and we, we could play this tape back and, and say, what the heck were they talking about? <laughs> so one thing we need to talk about, and it's a, a sad thing, but, but uh, again, a, per, a celebration of life, really, for Mike Shannon. And uh, I know Bill has, uh, has a, a little uh, actuality about, about Mike Shannon, and then we can uh, talk about him. Have it right here. Hold on one second. Let's see here. Okay, Bill, let's get right it ready. Here. here we go. Just one second. Here we go. It's not what I wanted, but it's what I could get. Um, not a lot out there, unfortunately. It was either three minutes or 35, so we opted And that's what we three. have to, for those who don't know that, we have to take what we can get. Not, we don't always get what we want. We have to take sometimes what we can get, right, Bill? That's it. And sometimes you win, and sometimes you don't. You're listening to the world. Oh, wait a minute. We got the wrong thing. Hold on. Oh, no. Here we go. Wait a minute. Oh, I've got all my. Hold on just one second. Here. Steve's getting rather excited. He is. Yeah. Just one second here. And uh, let me just. Because, uh, see, I'm. Okay. I'm. Set up for, a, for the book talk show, right? Here we go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I, uh, bad, sad note uh, from a day or so ago, Cardinals tweet, the passing of legendary card in a lot of different ways. Broadcasting, of course, for 50 years and as a player and a good one. Uh, at 83 years of age, he had retired from the Cardinal broadcast booth in 2021. 
uh, played the outfield. They moved him to third base when they got Roger Maris in the 60s. And Shannon was a very, very good player. And I'll get to the broadcasting in a second. Let's do a couple of player highlights first. Shannon came up in 62-63, so he played a little bit with Musial early on in his career. Then in 64, he was a big factor in the Cardinals. That was that great pennant race when they were down six and a half for ten to go, whatever. Was it six and a half for ten to go against the Phillies? And then in the World Series against the Yankees in a big spot in game one, a series that they ended up winning in seven games. Shannon down 4-2 in the sixth inning, hit a two-run homer against the Yankees and Whitey Ford, a series that St. Louis ended up winning in seven games, 7-5 in game seven. And then this is 67, another World Series that the Cardinals won. Shannon in game three, that's Gary Bell. He hits a two-run homer here in game three. Uh, and uh, and helped the uh, Cardinals get off to a good start. They won that series in seven games. Game seven at Fenway when Lombor got beat uh, by Gibson. Here is Mike in the broadcast booth after he retired. Almost died of a kidney ailment in early in 1970. Retired and then he became a broadcaster with the great Jack Buck. Harry had left. And, of course, Buck and uh, Shannon forever there, 50 years in the Cardinal booth. So Shannon became one of those, you know, ex-players with an organization. He was born in Missouri. Uh, you know, he's a Cardinal true and through who, you know, and as it turns out, has a wonderful career and almost more known from his broadcasting perspective with the franchise than his playing career. Rizzuto with the Yankees would be one. Bob Euchre with the uh, Brewers would be another, though Euchre was a comedic actor, as we all know that, uh, in the great shows, Mr. Belvedere and everything else. But Shannon's the same sort of scenario. Played very well for the Cardinals in the 60s. Part of three teams that won pennants, won two World Series, hit three World Series home runs. He hit a home run in Game 7 against Mickey Lolich in 68, a series the Cardinals lost. So, yeah, and he was a good player. You know, good defensive third baseman in 75, 80 RBIs, seventh in the uh, MVP vote one year or two. Uh, a good, good player. And then, um, you know, retired early, uh, 31, 32 years of age, and then becomes a broadcaster in St. Louis and does a wonderful job there. And he was very homespun. You know, he was one of those guys that, if you're a Cardinal fan, you absolutely loved him on the great Camo X. And here's a couple of examples of that. This is uh, in a July 2003 when Kerry Woods pitching against St. Louis. We're going to show you the highlight here. This is the one where he sort of threw up and into the great Pujols at Wrigley Field. And that bothers Pujols. And then the call shortly thereafter. Uh, when uh, Pujols hit the ball basically out of the ballpark. Here you go. Swing and hello, 4th of July. Take a ride on that knockdown pitch, big boy. Terry Wood knocked him down, and now Albert looks at him as he goes around first. He gives him a glare. Say, take a little whiff of that, big boy. And now Terry Wood takes a look at Albert as he touches them all. Give it to him, big boy. Give it to him. Well, that's, you know, if you're a corner fan, you're going to love that. And then, of course, they won the World Series in a couple of them, but they won the one in 06 for La Russa. And here's the last out against Detroit again with Mike behind the microphone. Listen to this. Here we go. Two on, two out. An 0-2 pitch. Wainwright has the sign he wants. He brings it home. Swing and a miss. The Cardinals are world champions for 2006. The 10th world championship in their illustrious franchise history. And it goes to number 10, the Cardinal manager, Tony La Russa. They have since won an 11th championship when they beat Texas in 2011. But the 06 against Detroit, they had no business winning that World Series. They won 83 games. They beat the Mets with Molina's homer in Game 7. And, of course, 
They polished off the Tigers, who had to wait around a week in five games. Anyway, the great Mike Shannon, good player, very good broadcaster, Mr. Missouri, Mr. St. Louis here today. As far as, um, um, as, far as our turnback time, rest in peace, Mr. Shannon. There you go. And, you know, you could, they couldn't have picked a better. Chris Russo, he, he's a big yeah. guy. He really yeah, covered a lot. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and well, what, he, what he didn't mention is not only was he a player and a broadcaster, he also owns Mike Shannon's restaurant. And the, like, from what I hear, yep. the plan is that that will continue. Um, daughter's running it. His yes. daughter's going to She has. His, his, daughter's been, his daughter's been running it. And, you know, yeah, he, and he used to do his show from Mike Shannon's. He did the, the Friday night shows after the game, and then he would do – Sports open line on Saturdays during the off season, and, and they they played a bunch of. I gotta give all the stations in St. Louis. I was listening yesterday. KMOX became Mike Shannon Radio for two days, which it's fitting. It should have been, and they did a great job. But even the other stations, KTRS did a real good job with it. The Fan and ESPN One Hundred and One, all of them, and even they talked about this Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday spent a whole inning on the Sunday game talking about Mike Shannon on their broadcast. And you know, probably a lot of people in California, I mean, Mike's known, but not like a Vince uh-huh. Gully or even Jack. But like for me, as a, as a young kid, probably two of the first voices, I'd say it was safe to say, that I ever heard before I even knew what was going on, on the radio, being born in 1972, probably as a two- or three-year-old kid, recognize or probably Jack and Mike doing baseball with my you know family members listening to those games and I would wait for sundown when we moved to Texas because I wanted to hear Jack and Mike do the game I mean they'd be playing the Astros I could listen to the Astro affiliate but I'm like no I'm listening to Jack and Mike because those stories and and he called that big boy. He called everybody big boy. Bob Costas told the story. Bob Costas said, "I'm five seven. He called me big boy." And <laughs> and you know he was a he was a. I didn't realize this. He was a good. He had a chance to go play college football. Also, he was a. Yeah. They say he was a better football player than he was a baseball player. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's great that the KMOX. They have had three beloved announcers. You know, back to back to back in Harry Carey, Jack Buck, and Mike Shannon. And, uh, you know, they, they just went from one to the other. And, of course, the train of Harry and Jack worked together. Jack and Mike worked together. And, you know, it's, it's just been really great for St. Louis. And that's one of the reasons that the Cardinals have been number one. Even when they had, uh, you know, you know the, the football Cardinals and everything, everybody in the country knows that number one is baseball in St. Louis. And that's oh, yeah. one of the reasons. And, uh, well, you know, I believe, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Cardinals still have the biggest number of radio affiliates. Yes, I think they do. They do. Them, them and the Braves, I think, are, two, are the two biggies. Yeah, and it's amazing that we were talking before the show about the 1964 team around that time with the Cardinals. You had Mike Shannon, who went into the media. Tim McCarver, of course, who was a star, who we just honored a few weeks ago. Uh, Bob Uecker, that was just mentioned. They were they were teammates. You had Bill White, who longtime Yankee announcer and did national and uh, national uh, radio. And uh, you had uh, let's see who else did we mentioned Dick Rodelet. If we get to him, if we have time, we're going to talk about Dick Rodel a little bit because he was there. He, he didn't do baseball, but he did do basketball for forty years. Right. He was Lou on Brock. that. And Lou Brock and. Uh, yeah. You know, and Joe Torrey, I guess, did some. Yeah, Although he was on that team, he was later. He came. came he later. was later, but yeah. yeah. But either way, um, it's amazing. We'll get, we'll get Pam. If you want to unmute, we'll get you in just a second. Um, last night, though, uh, Pat Hughes and and Ron Coomer spent an inning talking about 
uh, Mike Shannon too, and uh, they said they have both done his Friday night show many times. And uh, one time they did it from the booth, and and Ron said it was funny because he said I went to the booth and I sat down with Mike, and he said Mike was asking me questions, and he said I kind of had enough of this asking me questions and talking about me. He said I turned it around on him, and he said mm. I started interviewing Shannon, and he said that was a hit because he said I was told by Mike Claiborne the next day that they had gotten so many compliments of, mm. boy, we heard so much, so many things about Mike Shannon that we didn't know, and Coomer was asking the right questions and all that, so and, apparently that was very popular, but let's go to you know they did, hold, hold on, Sean, let's go to Pam here, and then we'll continue on. Go ahead, Pam. Mm -hmm. Hey, hello, everyone. Hey. I listened to most of that tribute that was done yesterday on Camo X, and one of the people that were on as guest was the umpire Joe West. Yep. Oh. And his yep. uh, was his wife or daughter was the manager of Shannon's restaurant for twenty years. Now okay. that'll be wow. now Pam. That'll be very much like. I mean, when we talk about Mike Shannon, you know, if something would happen to to Dane Matthews in Kansas City, that'll be big news. Oh there. yeah. Oh, big time. Oh. You know, but he yeah. he oh. is Kansas City Royals baseball. Oh yeah. On the radio. Yeah. But yep. it's a, it is interesting that you know you have the names all around and and all the, I, the all the games that I've heard now. I mean the Braves guys yesterday kind of mentioned it, but I don't think Ben Ingram or Nick Green knew um, Mike Shannon. Ben Ingram may have a little bit, but you know they you know we send out our thoughts and you know they said all yeah. the right things. Yeah. But Howie Rose, of course, you know he did know him and yeah. Uh, well, he I, was, I, I, I called in myself on Camo X yesterday because I remember as a kid listening to Mike play. I was, my aunt and uncle had tickets to the last uh, game seven. I heard season. you. When they won, <laughs> I when heard they won you. the World Series. Uh -huh. And, you know, it, it's radio. Base, baseball was made for the radio. And it was. Jack and Mike and Denny and, and Bob Uecker and a lot of these guys knew how to paint a picture mm -hmm. and that was the point that i was trying to make on the radio yesterday good yeah well you made it here well, and you made and, you it know, here. Even, and you know the one of the guys on the evening show the eight to ten show even said that he got and he's a side guy he says i can't he goes i listen to baseball on the radio i have the app and he goes i go i listen to it on the radio kind of like you know he goes that's that's the way it's supposed to that's the way you're supposed to enjoy it he goes i learned these announcers he goes i go all over it he goes i listen because that's how because I listen to John Sterling and Susan. I listen to Mike and the whole crew, and I listen to Denny, and he he, he rattled them all off and said that's a, that's how you're supposed to listen. Uh huh. Okay. Mike right. was a Mike was a big timer though. I mean, you he, he I would tell you he probably wasn't the most polished announcer there was, no. No. but boy, on the growing <laughs> up in Northwest Mississippi in the in the seventies. When you could hear Mike Shannon and Jack Buck and at times Bob Euchre sit there in those rain delays and tell stories. Oh, man. My goodness. I, I wish I had tapes of some of those because that that was good radio. If you could hear that, mm -hmm. it was fantastic. All right. Well, yep. why don't we move on to your topic, uh, and then we'll get into the news of the day in baseball. But uh, your topic about just explain about the uh, strikes and what's going on with the automatic strike uh, 
uh, situation and, and the umpires and challenges. Uh, well, this, and I mean, this may be coming to Major League Baseball at some point. So, I mean, you got to pay attention to it. On Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in, in uh, AAA, they do it some in other leagues, but AAA, of course, they have the most technology because I think that's where most, uh, you know, they spend the most money on the teams and such. But on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, you have the automated strike zone, in addition, of course, to all the other rules that we already have. But they do the automated strike zone. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's the umpire, but you can challenge. And there's, I mean, you got to be careful because if you challenge three times and they look at it, and it only takes them about 20 seconds to look at it. But if you challenge three times and lose, you're done challenging for the whole game. And uh, one of the media relations uh, girls that was in the in the radio booth last Saturday, and she was talking to Alex Cohen about it, and she said, because it just started last week, and she said, you know, you just look at the manager uh, and the players for the uh, Louisville Bats is who Iowa was playing, and somebody wanted a challenge in the first inning, and she said, you'll see the man, you may see the manager, no, 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 don't waste one that early or something like that. So you really have to be. Um, you have to pay attention to what you're doing because if you waste them all in, say, the first two innings and you get into the ninth inning and you don't have any challenges left and there's a pitch that you, you know, you're pretty sure you would win, you can't challenge it. If, now, if you keep winning, you don't lose your challenge if you win. But if you lose all, if you lose three of them, you're done. So you got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but it's interesting. I think personally, I like the challenge system better because. I, I just don't uh, – the umpires have always been a part of the game, and I don't want to see that change. So I think I like the challenge system. If they're, if they're going to do either one, I like the challenge system better because, it A, it doesn't take but just a few seconds, and, you know, they look and, and can tell you right away. So, But I, I just don't know that I like automated strike zones and okay. things like that. So uh, getting back to the news of the day, uh, just to update you on where we were last week, Tampa Bay ended up hitting the homers in the first 23 games. So the record for the start of the season, but not the all-time record, which was Texas with 27. Um, so this was a topic that we talked about briefly on, on uh, our system uh, last week. Pittsburgh uh, still with poor attendance, even though the Pirates are off to a great start. Uh, they, they've been drawing uh, like 10,000, 14,000, and so forth, even with the Dodgers in town. What I was saying is, you know, it's ranged between uh, 10 and 17,000 uh, different times. Um, and, and number one in Pittsburgh, they're the third team. It's definitely Steelers number one, Penguins number two, because of the success that the Steelers and Penguins have had over the years and the lack of success that the Pirates have had over the years. And it takes a while. I remember in 67, the Red Sox had had seven straight losing seasons. Ted Williams had been gone. They hadn't drawn a million fans. And back then, of course, population was smaller. But the million was the gold standard at that time. Hadn't done that since 58. And the Red Sox started off very well in 67. Not as great as the Pirates are. But it took till about July till people said, hey, you know, this is this is going on. I think once school stops, if the Pirates are still doing well another month or so, I think you'll see the attendance go up. But it just takes a while. You know, you can't just react initially, you know, uh, immediately to something like that. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Um, going through. Okay, the Pirates are now uh, 20 and 9, so they're still in first place. So they're doing very well. Um, and they're playing Tampa Bay this week, so we'll see what goes on with that. And then uh, Perry's already talked to you about the automated strike strike zone. And then um, 
And that's that's and if people are wondering if they forgot the the reason he's only talking about Tuesday through Thursday and Friday through Sunday because you uh, don't don't play Mondays in AAA anymore. Yep. Nope. So that's that's how that goes. Uh, the AL East got some statistics on this the other day through Saturday against the other divisions were sixty five and twenty nine. And of course, we're playing uh, a lot of interleague games and uh, interdivisional games. That's a six ninety three percentage. And if you did that in the regular season, you'd win 112 games. So that is what is the toughest. You know, we talked a lot in football last year about the NFC East and how tough that was. The uh, AL East is totally tough. The the Red Sox now are four and seven, and uh, they've got to improve that. Of course, they lost three to Tampa Bay. They did beat Toronto last night. But if they want to get anywhere in in the toughest division in baseball, uh, that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, okay, and no, uh, this was a record that the Robert uh, found out about. No Oakland starter had won through the first 28 games of, of the uh, year. 29 now? Yep. <laughs> and that is supposedly a, a record in, in Major League history. Yep, uh, that is. No starter. Well, we, we can, every week we will give you the uh, probably the A's statistic of the week to prove how bad the A's are. No. They just are. For, for New York Mets fans out there, your record will be erased this, this year because that's just how utterly bad the Oakland A's are. Maybe the A's are playing possums. You know, they had that possum yeah. in the stadium. <laughs> that's right. They are and bad. And Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is returning today as the DH for the Phillies after his Tommy John uh, surgery. He won't be able to play in the field until July. And they had said that he would be back right around now, and so that worked out for him. So that's good. So uh, that is uh, it. And just quickly, we'll mention that Dick Grote passed away. He was uh, 90, uh, let's see, what do I got it right here? 92. He uh, played at Duke. I'm not going to read all that I'd written down because we don't have time. But he played at Duke, and he was an All-American basketball player and, of course, a great baseball player. But he ended up choosing. He, he signed with the Fort Wayne Pistons, played with them briefly, uh, and then uh, went into the Army. But he started with the Pirates in 52, played with them. Uh, and then the Cardinals went over there for that World Series in 64. He was there a few years, then to Philadelphia. And uh, for 40 years, he did pit, the color on pit basketball. And uh, so he was uh, really... Uh, you know, and uh, designed golf courses and uh, and was the MVP of oh. the 1960 uh, season when they won the pennant and uh, also the league batting champion in the 1960. So he was and, a good, good player. And Chris, back to Bryce Harper just for a second. Tom McCarthy uh, was on with uh, Jenny Kavanaugh on XM today, and apparently they are asking him to, to slide feet first into bases, not head first, because they don't want that, you know, yeah, that area to get oh, hit. Everybody Bill, everybody Bill, Bill, did you have something, Bill, when we were talking about the A's? No, I was just saying, I listened to the series this weekend, and they won the third game in the series against the Reds. The Reds should not have lost that game. But they were just totally, it's almost like they've got a defeatist attitude. They, they um, Their pitching's terrible. The hitting is Okay, maybe worse. Their defense in the outfield. I mean, I think the Iowa Cubs could beat. Uh, okay. Well, the Iowa the Iowa Cubs could beat a lot of teams. You know, they're only averaging after the first month of the season. I think they're averaging nine or ten runs a game. Yeah, I, wow. I believe they could. I feel bad. <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. I, I feel bad for the A's 
radio and TV announcers who have to try and talk positive about this team on a daily basis. I don't see how you can do it. Yeah, uh, I'd say so. I was listening once, yeah. and uh, Robert, I was listening, and um, Korak and Catronio were saying, at the point where the A's are now, you just have to find positives wherever you can. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's move on to the NBA. Some teams are having positives and some teams are having negatives. That's correct. And uh, just to finish up the first-round series, so everybody knows what happened, Miami did go on and beat Milwaukee four games to one uh, with, of course, uh, uh, oh, man, I can't think. Oh, uh, Jimmy Butler have, having a great series. But now he's, got a uh, yeah, but now he's got a questionable ankle, and we'll see what it, All of the big stars except knock on wood for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, on these teams have been, have, have been fighting injuries through the playoffs. It's amazing. So they, they have moved on. Then the Knicks beat Cleveland four games to one. Very disappointing for the Cavaliers that they didn't make more of a showing there. But yeah. uh, that sets them up for a series. We'll talk about the next round in a moment as soon as we finish this. Celtics beat Atlanta four games to two, and they blew that fifth game here, made it three games to two. They went down into Atlanta we're struggling for a while, but pulled away at the end of the game, and we're able to eliminate the Hawks. And uh, Philadelphia had already beaten Brooklyn four games to none, as we know about. But we know that Joe Embiid uh, has uh, his problems with his knee, so he uh, we'll see about him. In the West, Denver beat Minnesota four games to one. Not much of a contest there. Wolves just uh, couldn't uh, match up very well. Uh, Phoenix got a break because Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George were out uh, for the uh, Clippers. And they, they beat them uh, four games to one. Then we had the Lakers beating Memphis four games to two, and they beat them in game six at, at Los Angeles by 40 points. So that was pretty amazing. And uh, watch out for the Lakers, and we're going to be talking about them in a minute. And uh, we had uh, Golden State beat Sacramento four, to, four games to three, and uh, they trailed much of the first half, the Warriors did, but then they got pulled away in the second half and ended up winning by 20. So, uh, and Steph Curry got uh, 50 points. So, before we move to the next round, Robert, what were your thoughts on the Warriors uh, finally beating Sacramento? Oh, I told everybody when the series started it was going to go seven games. However, I was very disappointed on their performance Friday night because they had a chance to close it out in six, but Sacramento beat them by almost 20 points on Friday yeah. night, and the Warriors turned around and uh, repaid them. It basically, in the, Curry took over in the second half, and it was pretty much over. First half, it was up and down, but once he got hot in the second half, it was pretty much over. And Sacramento, Kwan, Sacramento, though, Robert, would you agree? They seem to be an up-and-coming team, though. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to deal with the Kings for a number of years. And if that organization is smart, which the Kings organization has never been, but they need to leave Mike Brown alone and let him, let him do his thing, because... Well, under this management, you got to look, it's different ownership, different management now the last few years. And I think the Kings may have been the more talented, but in the end, experience won. That's correct. And I I expect the Lakers series, Chris, to go seven games as well. Okay. So in the East, we have Miami is up 1-0 on the Knicks, and they're playing their next game is tonight, Tuesday night at 7.30. And then the Lakers are playing tonight at Golden State at 10 p.m. starting their series. Yep. And then for tomorrow, we have uh, Philadelphia beat the Celtics once again, blew the game at the end. I mean, it wasn't as big a lead and so forth. We are basically traumatized around here lately with the Bruins and Celtics. We don't know what's going to happen next because uh, we haven't gotten to that yet. But, boy, oh, boy, the Celtics uh, were coming down to look, look good. And, again, what happens often in the NBA for one game, you can play without anybody, and that's what they did without Embiid. 
He did not play. We don't know if he's going to play tomorrow night or not. And I think that happens. People circle the wagons. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, but they do okay in the NBA with it. And you can win a game like that. But, you know, long term, you, you, you struggle. But uh, they, the Celtics had the game and, and let it slip away. And they've got to work on finishing the game. They're finishing these wins. Uh, they're playing again tomorrow night at 8 o'clock at TD Garden. And Denver and Phoenix, uh, Denver looks like they're going to do pretty well in this series. They're up two games to none. I and think, I think they're the team to beat. Yeah, yeah. they might be. And, uh, and, again, they have never won the championship and, uh, and never been to the NBA Finals either. And they're playing well, next at, at 10 o'clock on Friday. Go ahead. Well, let's uh, bring up uh, Pierre um, right now. Pierre, I know we're, in, we're into your favorite topic, the, bat, the NBA and the yeah, hockey. But, NBA uh, and hockey. We'll bring up Pierre anyway. <laughs> well, well, I wanted to, uh, to uh, come in before the hockey conversation. So I could go clean the litter box or something. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted to ask y'all, do y'all, any of y'all know anything about the quarterback that the Saints drafted, that painter? Um, he's supposed to be a very good player. He, he, played, he played at the same college up here as Derek Carr. Um, and Fresno, Fresno State always brings a lot of pros to the NFL, and they're normally pretty successful. Yeah. So I think you guys did okay there. Yeah, because they traded up to get him. That's why I was wondering if he was yeah. pretty good quarterback. And, uh, Chris, uh, you got a good player. If you got a coach that can get get him to do something, his name is Kayshawn Butte. You got him at uh, 187. Uh-huh. And uh, at LSU, he was their number one receiver for three years. And That's he, a Louisiana he, name if I ever heard one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Is and that he, the is that the one Pierre that that was thinking about leaving after that one game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and but uh, he came in his, in his senior year and he didn't care about football at all. All he was worried about was nil. And yeah. when they lost to Florida oh State, he really didn't care. And, uh, he, he only caught about four passes uh, the whole year. He just didn't want to play. And so y'all got him at 187, but yeah. if, if they can get something out of him, he is a real good player. And so he was the about one, those, hold, the hold, on, hold on, Chris, hold on, Chris, yeah. just for the, those who don't remember, he was the one, Pierre, um, I forget how it all went down, but he dropped a pass or something like at the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. had a pretty nasty game and had thought about just quitting football altogether. Right. Well, the one thing about the pros is you don't get anything unless you perform. And so That's if he, true. you know, it's a lot uh, cut, more cut and dried. And, uh, you know, he's going to go to a, an organization who's had success motivating players sometime if they'll listen. But, you know, we'll just have to see. But he's got, he, I've heard about him today. He does have talent. So we'll see what they can do. Now I can go okay. play the box. All right. Good luck with, <laughs> that, with that box. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's see if we get through some of these notes. I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to make the hockey today, but we'll we'll do the best we can. Sa- San Diego, uh, Sacramento, and Golden State had the highest rated round one game since uh, Portland and the Lakers in 2002. Uh, now it's game, uh, you know, four of this series. So we'll see what happened on Sunday. Game seven was game seven was the second highest rated. Uh, okay. uh, well, not the second highest, but it was ten and a half million. One at a time. It was ten and a half million on Sunday. Yep. Okay. All right. And uh, Miami beat uh, Milwaukee uh, for the uh, the uh, sixth time, and eight beat a one since uh, this format started in uh, about 1985. 
Uh, Toronto has received permission to talk to Becky Hammond about their head coaching job. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and let's see. So, uh, we, we're not going to really talk about this time, but just announced that the Suns and Mercury, uh, Phoenix teams in the uh, NBA and WNBA respectively, are leaving Diamond Vision. And uh, we're going to talk about Diamond Sports. And that'll be something we can talk about maybe next week. Uh, and uh, because they're going to do some over the air and streaming stuff. LeBron just, real, has won- just real quick, yeah. uh, Chris, on that. Um, mm-hmm. It really, there's not much we can say about it, but it's going to be something that in the future is going to be a big deal because these regional sports yeah. networks, if they can't make their payments, then more teams are going to probably do this. Right. So, LeBron has uh, set a record, uh, tied a record for uh, with Derek Fisher for having won 40 playoff series now, and that that's amazing. And uh, right behind them are uh, Robert Ory. Kareem and Tim Duncan. So, you know, in the modern era, there's a lot more series to play. And this is the first uh, Warriors-Lakers series since uh, 1991. Yep. And uh, that was also in round two. And uh, and uh, 50 points for uh, Steph Curry and the most ever in a game seven. So there you go. So that's uh, the NBA as far as I know. And what time is it? 455. We can do a little NHL. At least get the get the series and the matchups. I don't think we can get into our NHL notes, though. But uh, we did have round one. Bruins collapsed. And we were talking here, and they were up three games to one at the time we were talking. And uh, they almost, actually, they could have won the game right at the end of game five. Marshan had a breakaway and, and came down and, uh, you know, did not score right at the end. It would have been a last-second shot like a basketball game. And that would have been a way to win a series, but they didn't do it. They had leads in game six, lead in game seven. You know, they they just couldn't get out of their own end with Florida. Florida, really, you've got to give them a lot of credit. And uh, they ended up, they had a, were 43 points better than the, than the uh, Panthers in during the regular season, the biggest upset in hockey history for a seven-game series. So there you go. They're out. So so much for the championship uh, dreams and that. Tan- uh, Toronto finally uh, broke their streak of not having won a playoff series since 2004. Uh, they won four games to two and uh, won it in Tampa and on an overtime goal. And we found out happily, as I'm throwing in a few of the notes as we go along because we're running out of time, that uh, Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph will be going uh, down to uh, to uh, my, Florida to play, you know, to broadcast those games because they have gotten permission enough. People yelled and screamed enough that they finally did that. Carolina beat the Islanders four games to two in a, a pretty defensive series. Carolina is a tough defensive team. So are the Islanders. They don't have enough offense. Rick has pointed that out. New Jersey beat the Rangers last night. Uh, in winning the seventh game, four games to three. They really turned it around when they changed their goaltender. Uh, Vegas beat Winnipeg four games to one. That was a pretty easy series for them. Edmonton beat the uh, the Kings four games to two, and we talked about the turnaround when they came from behind, trailing two games to one and won that game four. Uh, Seattle beat Denver four games to three. That's their first playoff win, of course. And that was their first year, and the first time that a, a, an expansion team has ever beaten a Stanley Cup finalist uh, in in the playoffs this early in their career. And Dallas beat Minnesota four games to two in a series that was a pretty evenly matched series, but uh, Dallas won it. So what we have for our series, and that's probably about all we have time for, Florida at Toronto, they get started at uh, 7 p.m. tonight. Seattle at Dallas, 9.30 tonight, and then on Wednesday, we're going to the western, uh, uh, the, the other eastern one, Florida and Toronto's in the east. We then have New Jersey at Carolina at 7. 
and then in the other Western Series, Edmonton at Vegas at 9.30, and um, if uh, the clock does not deceive me, we're probably, that's about as far as we're going to get. I think, the, and those are ESPN games, by the way. Go ahead, Sean. Yes, they are. All right, folks, we'll come on, come on back next week. We'll talk about, we'll analyze the Kentucky Derby. We'll be deeper into the playoffs. Who knows what else? If you want to hit us up anytime, uh, Sports Times at All Things Radio or uh, 800-693-0595, option two. If you're listening live, get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And stay tuned for Book Talk with Jenny and Nolan. And until next Tuesday or whenever you're listening to the podcast after Tuesday, we are out of here. <laughs>